Now, the Wealth Protection Diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating. Her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. Lots of books claim they will change your life, but they rarely give you a map to follow. If you've been searching for answers about how to improve your current situation, look no further. My guest, Dwayne Cummings, is the author of The Sensational Salesman, which serves as a must-have manual for achieving success in business and life. The insights in this story are rarely taught in formal education settings or the workplace, but they are fundamental to achieving lifelong happiness and fulfillment. Dwayne is referred to as an entrepreneur, solution strategist for business, public speaker, personal and professional coach, author, mentor, philanthropist. He says we can use whatever label we want. But with that, I'd like to welcome Dwayne and to say Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm excited. Been looking forward to this since the first time we talked. Talking about your book, The Sensational Salesman, what prompted you to write it and, and what are some of the insights that you discovered that will help us improve our relationships, career, and life? Well, Sherry, the, the book was kind of born out of my experiences in my life and it's the first in a series or seven and they had to go chronologically how my life went so you know, I don't want to be a spoiler for the book but the guy or the main character kind of falls in his face and learns some life lessons you know and you got to go through the steps of how to get yourself back on track you know they're all basic things that we kind of know but we need to be reminded of or sometimes you hear them in a different voice you know and then all of a sudden it rings true to your heart you know, right off the bat, it talks about honesty and integrity and being honest with yourself and being honest with other people. And, you know, that helps us in both our personal and professional life. Yeah, the relationship side, the chapters in the book go in order of how I kind of learn my lessons. Communication is a chapter that actually comes before relationships because until you learn how to communicate, you can't really do well at your relationships, or at least that's how it was for me. This is a series. This is your seventh book in the series of... I love the term, the sensational life, right? And that's kind of your mantra and your heading. You don't hear that word too often, sensational, other than typically in the media when it's not good news. What has really helped you develop this philosophy around that we all do have the ability to live a sensational life? You're right. People hear the word sensational or sensationalized, and it's not usually a good connotation, but for me, you know, I, I hear the same words all the time. Oh, have a fantastic day or amazing or something. And so sensational stood out a little bit for me. I know there's a person in my life that kind of used that word once in a while. So I gravitated to that. But, you know, then as you go on and you begin to get older, you realize it's not really about how much money you have, although you have to pay your bills. It's not about the title before your name. Um it is about the smaller things that really give you a sensational life. So I began to share that message, you know, a couple decades ago about happiness and uh, wealth for me is not in the money, but it is in relationships and people and experiences. And 
And so because I was speaking all over, uh, people would always ask, hey, would you, you know, do you have a book or do you have an audio or do you have this? Did you share that message with me in another format? And so inevitably, you know, we sat down and we decided, how could we get this message out? And so chronologically, they go from the sensational salesman, which is about a salesman, to leadership, entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, mentoring, you know, each one of those just kind of the phases that I've gone through in my life. How you have a sensational life, I think it's different for every person. It's kind of a definition of success. And so I don't try to tell someone, you must do this to have a sensational life. I kind of prompt them in things that helps me be happy. Oddly enough, the last several shows that I've been doing is around mindfulness and taking care of ourselves and really understanding, you know, what brings us joy in our own life. Part of what creates a sensational life is being happy with ourselves. And when we're happy with ourselves, of course, then it's a lot easier to help and support and have fun. And in your series of being sensational, and of course, I love anything related to marketing or sales or things like that. So just kind of give us just a little bit of a tease because the sensational salesman, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, well, is this, you know, a new sales book that's going to teach me, uh, you know, one one more little secret? Or what was the premise for that? It's funny you ask it that way because uh, we went round and round with the creative team and publishers and everyone. And first, they didn't like the title because it wasn't inclusive enough. You know, we don't want just salesmen. We need to say salespeople or salesperson. And I said, well, the main character is a salesman, so we, we have to go in that direction. They thought, well, is it a business book? But it's it's a parable, so it's going to come under fiction, or wait, is it self-help? Because it talks about relationships in there, and it talks about finding your purpose. and So no one can really pigeonhole the book or the series, which is what I was hopeful for. Because, you know, when we were kind of letting out some of the chapters to some beta readers, we started with teenage kids all the way up to 90-year-old retirees socioeconomic backgrounds were different, you know, cultural differences, et cetera. And most of them were finding at least something that they could relate to or assimilate to in the book, which is what I wanted. I wanted a more inclusive message. I wanted it to be able to reach a wider audience. What's been great and real fun is, you know, I work with a lot of companies and corporations, and they say, oh, I want, I want my sales staff to read this because they need to improve the bottom line by three points, or we need to hit goal. And I'll always warn them, I'll say, well, it's not just a sales book. And almost every time after they read it, they're like, wow, I was expecting this, but I got something totally different, Um, which is what I would hope for, because I really wrote the books for myself, to keep myself on track for the rest of my life, and then for my sons, kind of as a legacy or a blueprint. Because you know, when you go to school, they don't give you books on parenting, and they don't, you know, they don't tell you certain things. So... That's why I wrote the books, and from a marketing standpoint, we kind of done everything opposite of what most people would tell you or what most companies would do. In fact, I'm involved in a publishing company, and I kind of threw all the rules out. So right off the bat, we decided we were going to let two people who needed a second chance in life uh, or needed a change in their life win a trip to go anywhere in the world they wanted with my wife and I. And then we would go through the lessons of the book on the trip. And Initially, everybody, the lawyers, everyone said, no, 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 it's too risky, we can't do that, no one's ever done that before, so many things go wrong, and so we got a liability umbrella and said, we're doing it anyway, and the first lady was a 
single mom from Peekskill, New York, who had three kids and who's been working two jobs and just really looking for a spark in her life, a catalyst. And she chose Italy. And so we got to go to Italy and spend a bunch of time. And she wasn't looking for a sales book. She was looking for something to kind of give her a new mindset, as you said earlier, on, or give her a different way of looking at some things that we see every day. And fortunately, that was a positive catalyst. And that's really what the book they're about, hmm. just maybe finding something a little different in your life. I like that you approach it in a way where people can internalize it and make those changes or whatever it is they need, as you said, to find that spark. What a perfect time of year to feature this because as people get through the holidays and we have a new year and people want to start their new year in ways that it's like, I got to change this. I want to stop that. I want to add this to my life. And this just might be a great way for them to, as you said, get a, a different take or a, a insight or a spark that maybe helps them create a more effective or prosperous new year. It's easy to digest, so it's not like sitting down to, you know, a 400-page book or, you know, something that's difficult to relate to. Each chapter is a day in a man's life, and each day he gets a new mentor that teaches him a new lesson. And it's very experiential, so, you know, he goes to different settings and involves with different people, different ages, genders, etc., so... Usually somebody in there can find what they're related, you know, something they can relate to. The book, The Sensational Salesman, written by Dwayne Cummings, my guest today. And so if anyone's out there listening and you've read endless books on how to be a better person or engage in a better life, then maybe this is one to pick up. He's writing for personal experience which I love. And Dwayne, it's obvious you're, it looks like kind of a serial entrepreneur, which those are the folks I like to hang out with. You've done a lot. You now go into organizations as a speaker and consultant. And what are some of the reasons that people bring you into their organization? It all kind of started by accident. We had originally started our own private label clothing company, which was an accident. I was having clothes made for myself. And then we began making more and selling them and supplying. And that grew to a very large company. Got out of control. And then we sold the majority of it. We split it into two, sold the majority of it right before the crash in, in 2008. And so everybody thinks, at that point, I'm a genius. And really, I was just, you know, the beneficiary of timing or good luck or fortune, whatever you want to call it. But then they want to hear your story. And I got some accolades during that period of time and got some notoriety. So people think you're an expert. You know, we did do some things differently. Uh, there was a period of time where every box that we shipped, we, we put a lottery ticket in the box. So, you know, somebody receiving their package might have a chance to become a millionaire. You know, those kind of things that were marketing slightly different. So then companies started saying, well, would you come in and look, use your fresh eyes to view what we're doing? And because I was involved in a company that scaled very quickly, I kind of got known to go in and help, you know, companies that were scaling fast or, um, you know, you, you just... In that world, people refer you, and if you solve one problem and the word gets out, then somebody else that has that problem wants you to come along. So we've been very fortunate that every time we turn around, we get an opportunity to challenge ourselves, and many times you don't go in with the answers. You kind of find them along the way, but as you know, because you have so much you know, business acumen and experience in your past, there's some underlying things that are almost always the same in business, and 
you know, one of them's communication or certain putting people in their sweet spots so they're using their strengths to do what the company needs. So sometimes it's pretty easy to figure out. And then other times, you know, it's not so easy. A statement you make and something you talk about is if you want a better answer, ask a better question. We'll be right back. This is Billy Riggs, author of Megatudes and the world's only disillusionist. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva. Sage International Incorporated fosters the entrepreneurial spirit by first educating our clients. In fact, we wrote the best-selling book, Incorporate and Get Rich, as recommended by Robert Kiyosaki in his bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. For over 20 years, we've taught thousands of business owners, investors, professionals, and entrepreneurs how to properly structure their business and personal assets to avoid the three flaming arrows of challenge, income taxes, liability exposure, probate and death taxes. Call Sage International Incorporated at 1-800-254-5779 to set up a free 30-minute consultation. That's 1-800-254-5779. Sage International. I'm Brian Cassidy, owner of Junk King Reno. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. That's when you should call us Junk King Reno. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather it and haul it to the curb. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. We're fully insured and bonded. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. Hello, this is Jeff Scott, director for the Washoe County Library System. I'm on the Sherry Hill Show next weekend, Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 8 a.m. on 99.1 FM Talk. The Sherry Hill Radio Show is fantastic. Any questions? Most of us have heard that phrase hundreds, if not thousands of times. Sometimes it comes at the end of a presentation or meeting, and most of us shuffle away because we don't really think it is an open invitation to question. But other times, you may have real questions about why things are the way they are and how they might be different, but you don't ask them. My guest, Dwayne Cummings, lives life with a single purpose, to aid others, act on ideas, and achieve sensational results. He is a trusted advisor to organizations and individuals around the world regarding professional and personal development. Dwayne is an author, entrepreneur, coach, and consultant who speaks regularly on a range of topics that include entrepreneurship, leadership, communication, sales, and finding your purpose. Welcome, Dwayne, and Happy New Year! Happy New Year to you too, Sherry. I'm so grateful to be sitting down with you and talking and looking forward to our conversation. Awesome. Well, I caught an interesting video you posted where you were giving a talk about if you want a better answer, ask a better question. So what do you mean? Well, yeah, that that was an Ignite talk, kind of like TED Talks, and I was challenged uh, by someone to do that because I have a philosophy or a, a mindset that if you're not getting what you want out of either an answer or you're not overcoming a challenge or you're not getting past something that's in your way, most of the time it's because you're not looking at it the right way. And if you're not looking at it or seeing the challenge or problem the right way, it's because you're not asking the right questions. And in that video, I think I broke down disempowering versus empowering questions. So 
you know, oftentimes people ask themselves very disempowering questions or the situation like, what is wrong with this or what is wrong with me? And if you do that, you get this, you know, cornucopia of answers that are not helpful. They don't support you. Um, I'm too short. I don't have the right education. I don't have enough money. You know, you'll get all the reasons why not. But if you just change the syntax just slightly and you ask, you know, what is right with me? Or what do I need in order to overcome this challenge? Your mind will go to work for you. I had a mentor early on that said, if you're facing something, pose yourself a proper question before you go to sleep and let your mind work on it. And it has worked in my life so well. It's almost like cheating the system. If I have a challenge, whether it's in business or marketing or personal relationship or whatever, I'll, I'll make sure and frame the question properly to where it's empowering and supportive. And then I just let my subconscious go to work on it. It's ridiculous. It's epic how well it works. It's odd sometimes how things come together, but I have noticed over this last year that particular topic, asking better questions or, you know, one of the things I've always said is you can't solve the same problems with the same mind that created it. So there has to be a way to challenge and ask better questions. And even Einstein said, you know, the coming up with solutions is great, but if you're, if you're solving or answering the wrong question, you're never going to get ahead. So when I saw that, it kind of fascinated me because I'm really learning a lot about the importance of questioning, but also coming with uh, better questions. Yeah, so I think when we're all young, we're taught the who, what, when, where, why, how, that those type of things. But then even within that, if you structure like, you know, who's going to help me or why is this happening to me, those are not very empowering questions. Whereas if you say, um, you know, how do I need or what do I need to adjust to get the result I want, you know, or... You know, earlier we were talking about uh, sweet spots in people's lives. A friend of mine and I were talking about how do you how do you get to your sweet spot? And I said, okay, so when are you happiest? You know, and that you will focus on that, and what you usually focus on, you get. So he's sitting there thinking. And I said, well, think about this. How do you feel when you hear your favorite song? When you eat your favorite food? When you're you know hanging out with your favorite people? What do you need to do in your life to increase that? You know, and, and so you start changing your questions a little bit, um, kind of like the twenty questions game when you're when you're a kid. If you if you waste a few questions on things that don't help you, uh, you can't ever get to the right answer. And so for me, about living a sensational life or anybody trying to find their sensational life, it usually comes down to the questions. If I ask them, "Do you really need five million dollars to be happy?" Most people will say no. But then if we change it again and say, what makes you happy? When are you happiest? And then you work off those questions and say, okay, how can I structure my day, my life, what I do for a living, et cetera, to keep me happy? You begin to get different answers. One of the keys of folks that I would call disruptive innovators, so obviously a lot of disruptive innovators in the entrepreneurial community is the power of questioning and not in a challenging or you know you're a stupid kind of way it's purely trying to drill down to get to different answers or different solutions or a different way to think about things 
And, you know, I'm obviously someone who interviews people. I love to ask questions. I'm fascinated by getting to a solution, not in a typical standard way. And so the art of questioning, the ability to ask good questions that probe, I'm sure as you have found out, because you go into organizations and help them discover different ways to do things, that part of your talent or your gift is the ability to ask different questions that they did not anticipate that you would ask. Yeah, that's really interesting that you tapped into that because part of the groundwork we have to lay initially is, you know, we have to explain to people you're going to feel like you're being thoroughly examined. Like we're not looking for chinks in your armor. We are honestly looking to critique you, which is much different than criticizing. And, you know, you you might wonder and you're going to be apprehensive, like why in the world is this person asking me that question? Because we're going to ask questions that no one else has asked or hopefully hasn't asked, and we're going to try to go in places with those questions that no one might have ever gone before. And you you really have to set the stage properly. Otherwise, people become very closed and, you know, defensive, and, and you have to disarm them and say, listen, I'm asking questions, and as we go along, I'll explain to you why I'm asking them, but they're going to be questions that you think uh, you know, don't even relate to this conversation or shouldn't even be asked, but they, they need to be. So it's, it's interesting that you said it that way because I'm sure you face that as an interviewer. Like, you know, it's, we call it the dance, and I'm, I'm fortunate to be dancing with you. You're, you might take me to a part of the dance floor that I'm not used to going to. Exactly. And that's kind of the fun is to be able to ask questions that help people really bring out what is their their unique qualifier, you know, and so, you know, good conversation should involve good questions, right? One of the things that, you know, I I don't know if this has came up on another show, but it stands out to me is where when you first meet somebody, typically the first thing that most people ask is, well, how are you, right? Versus what are you thinking about? What if somebody came up to you and said, Hey, Dwayne, what are you thinking about today? I mean, that's that's interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, I'll fall in love with I'll fall in love with that person instantly. <laughs> you know, the, the little kids that used to ask, "Why? What's that for? What's that for?" We kind of train that out over time. And so, when I come across people that are that way and very inquisitive, I love it. I I want to get to know more of them. I want to I want to know how their mind works. You know. A lot of people say they want to be surrounded by like-minded people, and I, I kind of go against that a little bit. I want to be around like integrity people or like-hearted people, but I want somebody that thinks totally different than I do, because that means they're probably asking different questions and they're going to teach me something. And the, the questions, for me, it's, it's really everything. You know, even if you don't know what answers you're looking for, the questions are everything. Well, and that's, that's kind of the, the you know, stream of consciousness so as you start to, you know, ask different types of questions that are, you know, geared to, I know when I teach, you know, my whole, one of my functions when I'm teaching or facilitating a class is to challenge people's thought process. And I don't mean in a, in a negative way, it's if I can come out here from left field 
and ask you questions that you never thought to ask yourself, then all of a sudden I see this stream of consciousness and eye-opening and people love the fact that they get to different results, whether they use them or not, but I'm teaching them how to think different. Yeah, you're teaching them how to fish instead of just feeding on fish. You know, In my life, a litmus test for me, if I'm on track or if I'm really discovering and exploring, is if somebody says, you know, I've never been asked that before, then I know I'm on to something. You know, especially with grizzled old veterans in certain industries where they think they already know it all, and you, you go in there with that educational mindset and questioning, and you hit them with something they've never heard, and like you said, you kind of see a light bulb go off or an aha or a stream of consciousness. They, they can go to some new places and you've aided them in getting there. That's yeah. when the magic happens. Yes, absolutely. We have to go to break and we come back. I want to talk about communication because that's something else you're very passionate about. We'll be right back. This is Brett Simmons from Reno, Nevada. You're listening to the fantastic Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she is the real deal. Thank you, Sherry. Sage International Incorporated fosters the entrepreneurial spirit by first educating our clients. In fact, we wrote the best-selling book, Incorporate and Get Rich, as recommended by Robert Kiyosaki in his bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. For over 20 years, we've taught thousands of business owners, investors, professionals, and entrepreneurs how to properly structure their business and personal assets to avoid the three flaming arrows of challenge, income taxes, liability exposure, probate and death taxes. Call Sage International Incorporated at 1-800-254-5779 to set up a free 30-minute consultation. That's 1-800-254-5779. Sage International. Hello, I'm Andy from Junk King, Reno. Why would you call us instead of doing it yourself? There's lots of good reasons. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather or haul all your stuff to the curb. We can pick it up from your home and haul it away quickly. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business, and we're fully licensed and bonded. And you don't have to wait in a long line at a landfill or transfer station. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Hello, this is John Crockett, Managing Librarian of the Sierra View Library. I'm on the Sherry Hill Show next weekend, Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 8 a.m. on 99.1 FM Talk. Tune in to learn about our Manufacturing Technician Certification Program. High-level thinkers listen to the Sherry Hill Show. If you have comments about today's show or any questions, please email sherry at sherryhillshow.com. The notion that our lives succeed or fail one conversation at a time is at once commonsensical and revolutionary. It's commonsensical because all of us have had conversations that, for better or worse, profoundly altered our professional or personal lives. It's revolutionary because a course on conversation won't be found in any MBA curriculum. Yet, 
Who among us hasn't spent time and energy cleaning up the aftermath of a significant but failed conversation? Who among us hasn't recognized, perhaps too late, that a client was frustrated or a loved one wounded because we failed to engage in the conversations that were needed? By the same token, most of us have left a successful conversation clicking our heels at the outcome, eagerly anticipating the next one. My guest, Dwayne Cummings, promoter of A Sensational Life, learned the importance of teamwork and honed his leadership skills early by serving in the U.S. Army and then by winning championships as a professional soccer player and coach. After retiring from athletics, he successfully transferred to the business world where he held several sales management positions before stepping out into his own startup and further transitioned into author, national speaker, and consultant. Well, welcome, Dwayne. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Sherry. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm uh, honored and I love the idea of sitting down with you and talking about business. Well, I noticed that a lot of your focus in your writing and speaking revolves around the topic of communication. In fact, you state that great communication is the key to happiness. Yeah, I definitely know it is in my family and uh, my friendships and my business relationships. And of course, I'm speaking from my own point of view, so someone else may have a different opinion, but I've been fortunate to be married 28 years to my high school sweetheart. And the first part of that marriage wasn't so good, and when we looked back on it and figured it out, it really boiled down to poor communication. You know, and then over time in business ventures, I've, I've had challenges, and you really pick it apart and look at it, and most of the time it would come down again to poor communication. You know, I've raised two sons, one's a freshman in college and one's married now and out on his own, and when we had challenges, it came down to communication. It just always was that, and so I spent a lot of time you know, with teachers and mentors and really trying to break down communication and learning as much about it as I could so I could be more effective at it myself. I have a statement that I remind myself every day. The quality of the communication is the quality of the response I get. Obviously, I am a good communicator, an effective communicator, but I can tell you that every single problem in business, in relationships, just like you recognize, just like I have recognized throughout my years is poor communication or lack of communication or misunderstanding around that communication. It's literally one area where you see it and I see it. Nobody's teaching kids really how to effectively communicate whether through their parents, because they're not great models, or through the school system. And so where do most of us learn it? Late in life. Right. We kind of get so fed up that we go, this isn't working, and you know, we're not going to wait for someone else to try to give us an answer. Let's go find the answer ourselves. As you're right, they don't teach a lot of that. I mean, you might get a communications, interpersonal communications 101 class, you know, in your freshman year of college, or some of those type of courses, but they don't really dig down and give you some of the base, fundamental, foundational type of work that you need in every aspect of your life. You know, that's what we found, or my wife and I, over time, we learned about the three different communication styles, which in some classes I'll briefly touch on, auditory and kinesthetic and visual. 
But what they don't go deeper and tell you is, is right off the bat, most people speak in the style that they learn in. So if they're visual, they'll say, do you see what I mean? Or let me show you something. And if they're kinesthetic, they'll say, I can't wrap my hands around this or my brain around this. Or let's roll up our sleeves, you know, and go to work. And then if they're auditory, they'll say, are you, you know, are you listening to me? Why are you not hearing what I'm saying? So they even speak in that language. And so when we went back and kind of looked at things more often than not, if you found somebody that you started talking to and you just, you know, fell in sync and it was perfect and you walked away like, you know, on puffy clouds and pixie dust falling, it's probably because they had the same learning style. So when you said, do you see what I mean? They said, oh, yeah, you're painting me the perfect picture. You know, everything was visual. Well, in my marriage, my wife was almost 100% visual, and I was kind of a mix. And, and most people are a mix, but most of the time they're primarily one. So when she would say, I don't see what you mean, and I'd say, would you just listen to me? She was speaking French and I was speaking Greek, and we were never on the same sheet of music. So once we got aware of that fundamental difference, it became a little easier, because when she'd say, I, I don't see what you mean, I'd say, okay, let me show you what I'm talking about. Let me paint you a picture. Or I would ask a better question. I'd say, well, what is it you're seeing? What, what is in your mind's eye? And, and through that, you just can't imagine. It's almost like somebody waving a magic wand, how different your life will be. This is one of the, the toughest areas for leaders to really step into their role is to have effective communication. I mean, communication on one level is I can say whatever I want and have expectations, but I'm talking about effective communication. Most leaders evolve into supervisory positions or become president of an organization, and these are those areas where at the very core is fundamental to your personal success, but also the health of the organization. So is part of your role when you're brought into these is to see exactly what is going on at the level of communication. Yeah, I think that's a fundamental part. And it's interesting how many times it, that's really where the breakdown occurs. So I might go to a company and they say, we're, our sales have dropped off 20%. And so we say, well, let's look at that equation and what happened. Well, we promoted our number one salesperson to or the manager. And you think, okay, well, you just took the producer and you put them in charge, which sometimes works. But if you look historically, the best players in athletics usually don't make the best coaches, et cetera. So then you say, okay, well, what kind of a communicator are they? Well, they can't tell other people how they were doing what they were doing. They just expect other people to do it. So it boils down to they can't communicate how they were succeeding. My belief is real good communication comes from being empathetic, putting yourself you know, in the other person's shoes. So first, that means understanding how their brain works, their learning style, then what you know might motivate them or inspire them. And then people just want to be listened to. You know, they want to be heard. You know, the greatest leaders are the ones that become empathetic. They get in their employees or their associates or their partner's world. They understand what they're trying to communicate, and they listen. And then, you know, you take action from there. But more often than not, so many companies are about the metrics and the you know key performance indicators and the EBITDA, the bottom line, whatever it is, that we forget that business, all business, is really about people and your relationship with other people really boils down to how well you communicate. Part of that also is understanding, like you said, everyone on the team, their communication style, 
And so as a leader of an organization, you have to be hitting on all of those levels. It all comes down to once you understand effective communication, it translates throughout your entire life. And you'll find that your relationships go deeper. You have more fun with people. Life, it's a lot easier when you're a better communicator. A hundred percent. It's so interesting that, you know, we'll be in different scenarios where the person beside me may be struggling in a conversation that I'm kind of on the peripheral of or I'm kind of involved in. And when you see that, when two other people or three other people are not getting the message to each other and you can step in and be that conduit and go, hey, did you really mean this? And they're probably not hearing that or, or they needed to hear this. That's when it actually takes your life to a whole other level because now it's not just your communication, but you're aiding other people in their communication. You know, probably coaching college is where I learned that lesson really well because I had players from all over the world. And of course, because they're from different cultures, they communicate differently. Even their pacing, you know, like somebody from New York speaks faster than somebody from the South. And so when you can recognize all that and then you can let other people understand what's going on or the dynamic so that they all can communicate better. That's just that extra level that, like you said, makes life fun and remarkable and a joy. You know, it's every day is an adventure. All about asking better questions. The communication of how you are interacting with people and asking questions that bring out their thought process or how they see things or how they're going to answer those questions, their behavior around that is really some of the keys to being an effective leader. You know, I'm a, a messenger, so communication means everything to me. And my expectation of how I communicate with people and how people should be communicating with me, sometimes, you know, there's that weird area. Because <laughs> when you're a good communicator and you're dealing with people who aren't, it can get a little frustrating. Yeah, especially in today's society, because things have changed. There are people that are just broadcasters, and they, they're just trying to put their message out to the world, and wherever it hits, it hits. But things changed so dramatically when we started communicating by text, and you know, Twitter is 140 characters or less, and it makes people creative, but it also makes for some miscommunication. And then emails, those kind of things, it has changed the the level and dynamic of communication because there's lots of layers to it. You know, nonverbal communication. If you're standing in front of someone saying something to them, you kind of get some visual feedback of, oh, they look uncomfortable or they're nodding yes, they get it, they agree. Whereas, you know, my 19-year-old son is a freshman in college. He wants to text. He doesn't like to talk, so you can't even hear inflection in his voice. And if he's in the other room, you can't even see him. So now you're strictly counting on the words. And as you and I both know, it's never the word, it's how it's delivered. It's not what you said, it's how you said it. So for a leader, that's a huge challenge. You know, that's why their weekly newsletter to their team or a, an email or a correspondence with board members or something that goes out to stockholders, anything like that, you really better be thinking about not what you are necessarily attempting to communicate, but what is going to be received. Hello. This is Debbie Steers, Resources Librarian at Washoe County Library System. I'm on the Sherry Hill Show next weekend, Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 8 a.m. on 99.1 FM Talk. You'll love the Sherry Hill Radio Show. 
Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own? Or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? Well, first, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should? like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes. For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. I'm Brian Cassidy, owner of Junk King Reno. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. That's when you should call us Junk King Reno. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather it and haul it to the curb. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. We're fully insured and bonded. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. This is Dwayne Cummings, author of The Sensational Salesman. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is sensational and amazing. If you missed any part of today's show and would like to listen to the podcast, please visit SherryHillShow.com. Dwayne Cummings lives life with a single purpose, to aid others, act on ideas, and achieve sensational results. He is a trusted advisor to organizations and individuals around the world regarding professional and personal development. Dwayne is an author, entrepreneur, coach, and consultant who speaks regularly on a range of topics that include entrepreneurship, leadership, communication, sales, and finding your purpose. So Dwayne, thanks for sticking with me throughout this show today. I really appreciate it. And as those can hear, I'm a little froggy, so I'm asking Dwayne to really download his positiveness and information with us. We've been talking all about communication and how to lead a sensational life and some of the things that you have discovered through the years and how you help organizations. Answers that you've given me today, I've realized that you think just a little bit differently. You just need a little slight mind shift sometimes. One or two degrees difference gives you a whole different viewpoint. And I've been fortunate to have mentors in my life and people and educators that taught me just how to shift my view one or two degrees, and it's been very helpful. And so then in our consulting business, we've been fortunate to transfer those into tangible ROIs. One of them was really, really surprising, even to me. I, we, we just kind of never thought this would happen, but we were working with a wholesale meat company, and this story has kind of put us on the map originally, too. They had been established for a long time, and, and they were trying to increase market share, like anybody else. Either you come up with new products, or you take market share, or you do something. Well, there's not a lot of new happening in the meat industry, so you go after the market. So we sat down with their team and with their staff, and we looked at all their customer segmentation and who they'd been going after and what kind of marketing and packaging. And then we began to ask different questions. You know, earlier we were talking about asking a better question gets you a better answer. 
So instead of asking who could we sell to, we ask things like, who has no one ever sold me to? Who's somebody out there, a potential candidate, a potential customer client, that has never bought me or never bought me from us for sure? And surprisingly, we came up with two customers that became clients and actually changed the bottom line. And one of them was zoos. So zoos have carnivores. They have to get meat from somewhere. And yet this company, as old, 100 years old, this company had never thought about selling to zoos. they just never gone after that market. And of course, with the effectiveness of shipping nowadays and those kind of things, they acquired a bunch of new accounts, which means they were probably taking them from somebody else that they expanded their business and began to sell to zoos. But the one that we got the write-ups on and really kind of changed people's thinking was the vegan groups and societies. And so now you're thinking, well, wait a minute, vegans don't eat meat. Why in the world would they even be a potential client or customer? Well, they do have demonstrations and they do have educational classes and they do have presentations all around the globe. And they don't want to walk into a grocery store and get the meat and get these different things. So finding out ahead of time where they were going to need stuff shipped, and by the way, you don't have to have USDA grade A prime meat because they just want it actually the nastier and the bloodier, the better for their demonstrations. So all of a sudden they became, you know, a partner with them and supplied them, which was pretty incredible considering in theory you would think they wouldn't even buy meat. You know, that, that was coming at something from a little different angle and thinking about things slightly differently because we, when we come up with a product or a service, we always look at, okay, there's my potential customer. There's where my niche is going to be. But many times the market says, no, 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 you thought you were delivering this, but really you're delivering that, you know, or somebody else finds a, a need for it. I think that's brilliant. I, I'd love to say that it was all my great idea, but it was a, a group of people just, you know, going about asking different questions, you know, kind of whiteboarding it and attacking things from fresh perspective. And as you know, magic happens in those kind of environments. Absolutely. But also sometimes where it becomes important to, like you said, bring in an outside person who just thinks two degrees off the bubble that really can come in with some fresh perspective or better questioning versus if it was just the team sitting there thinking about it, the likelihood that they may have come up with both. Maybe one, but right. probably not both. The other one that kind of put us on the map for customer service was an airline, substantial airline that constantly trying to stay at the top of the level in the customer service industry. They were having to go through tons and tons of people, you know, turnover and attrition, et cetera, to keep the right people or to keep people succeeding in this level of customer service, this high standard that they wanted to keep. And so we said, well, let's look at what are you hiring? What kind of person and what's your process? And as most companies do nowadays, there's an online registration or application form and there's an algorithm that pulls out certain keywords and you narrow down the 100,000 applicants into a pool of people that come in and then it boils down to, do I feel like I like that person and can they achieve the goals that we need? And you hire them and you go down the road. But we said, let's make sure that if we want someone to plow, we get a plow horse. If we want someone to race, we get a race horse. And so for customer service, we believe that your number one attribute is back to empathy. So it doesn't mean you give away your company services or products or whatever. It doesn't mean you, you know, always side with the customer, but that you understand the customer. The customer feels like you're in their world. So we said, how will we do that? So instead of doing the normal process, we took 25 people at a time and put them in a room, 
gave him little three by five cards and said, you've got 15 minutes to write down your bio. And then one at a time, you're going to go to the front of the room and you're going to go behind that little podium and you're going to tell the class your bio, or the room your bio. And there was a couple of their staff members in the back and they were going to select the ones that they would hire or they would at least interview to stay on and, and hire. And when we were all done, I said, okay, let me see your list. And it didn't match my list at all, not one person. And they were like, how can that be? You know, you know, candidate number four got up there and, and gave this great presentation and they didn't miss a lick and their voice was like radio quality and they were perfect. And I said, well, the problem with that candidate was while everyone else was speaking, he was sitting in the audience scratching and redoing his talk and not paying attention and he wasn't an active listener. So now imagine your customer is hot. They've missed their first flight, their luggage is who knows where, something's going wrong. And the person that you're asking to defuse this or fix the problem isn't even paying attention. I said, that's the kind of person you're going to be hiring. So you're hiring the wrong characteristics or traits. So then there was a lady that tripped over all of her words. You know, she wasn't a very good public speaker and she was nervous, etc. But when she was in the audience and those other 24 people went, she was actively listening, nodding and engaged and smiling and courteous. And she was in that dance with the speaker. And I, and I said, that's my number one person because people... They will forgive her if she trips over a word, if she says something wrong, etc. But they will love her because they know she's there for them. Sometimes we hire just the wrong traits and characteristics for the job we're expecting someone to do. You have a background in professional coaching. You played soccer and then you moved into the coaching realm. Same kind of thing when you're putting a, a team together of athletes. It's being able to really recognize we play to our strengths. This all kind of ties together from communication, from different kind of thinking, and all the ways that you really help people understand that everything in business is a people thing. I love how you look at things different and are able to drill down to really help people understand that to be successful, you can't be the same. Depends on how you define success, but for me, we would have never gone to the moon had we been content with the earth, had we not wanted to explore and ask if something was even possible. You know, those are the people that to me are really, really fun to be around because they see like a little door open, a little bitty crack, and they rush through that opportunity. A few years back when I was coaching, we had taken our team on the road and we were, we got rained out. So we went to a bowling alley and Unfortunately, we watched some kids leave their shoes behind the counter and take their rental shoes. And then we went out of the parking lot and said, hey, that can't happen. Go take them back. And so I asked, why in the world would you want rental shoes from a bowling alley? They were like, because everybody thinks we're cool. We're unique. You know, we're wearing these bowling shoes around, and we can't buy them anywhere. So, so that's the first. That's the catalyst, right? That's the bing, the light should go off. And so somebody, that light went off for somebody, and they're like, holy cow. If kids are willing to leave their own shoes at a bowling alley and maybe even get in trouble stealing some shoes, that means there's an opportunity to sell used bowling shoes. So, boom, next thing you know, there's like three or four online stores and people are selling bowling shoes, and it's kind of a trendy thing. But you know, those kind of opportunities, I believe, are around us all day, every day, and it's those unique people that see it for what it is and then take advantage of that or, or make something of that. You have to put on your different thinking hats in order to be present in the moments, to observe, to question, and to effectively communicate so that that magic, that serendipity 
tends to fall in your lap. Yeah, or if you want the same thing tomorrow or next year, just keep doing what you're doing, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't get worse. Actually. Yeah. I want to thank you, and it's been wonderful to connect with you and learn from you. If somebody wants to learn more or find out about what you do out there to help people with their thought process and creating sensational life. Easiest place is DwayneCummings.com, D-U-A-N-E-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. And, you know, I'm on social media, but you can connect to anywhere from that site. You can find out about books or events, etc. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate it very much. I'd like to extend my heartfelt wishes that all of you enjoy a peaceful, prosperous, and joyful new year. Happy New Year! Wishing you and all of your audience a great 2016. Thank you so much, Sherry. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week, same time, same station for The Sherry Hill Show. This is Diane Sieg from Denver, Colorado. Hey, this is Jeff Hyman, your startup therapist based in Chicago, Illinois. This is Mike Fossey, registered principal at Financial Educators Network. Tune in to the Sherry Hill Radio Show next weekend, right here on 99.1 FM Talk Radio. I'm Brian Cassidy, owner of Junk King Reno. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. That's when you should call us Junk King Reno. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather and haul it to the curb. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. We're fully insured and bonded. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own? Or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? Well, first, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should? Like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes. For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com.